Welcome to Solutions Cast, a CFC podcast that highlights cooperative network projects and leader stories, as well as economic and energy industry insights. I'm your host, Christine Pachenik. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about electric cooperative communicators. So you think you want to be an electric cooperative communicator. What does it take? What qualities make a good communicator? Where is the industry going and how do communicators affect the electric cooperative network? I really want to sit down and find out some of these interesting facts. And today here with me, I have Shelley Phillips, who is the Vice President of Communications and Public Relations at Cowita Fayette EMC, located in Palmetto, Georgia. Shelley, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Shelley, you are actually here at CFC headquarters today for the new co-op communicator orientation. So you're getting to really influence the next generation of communicators. And that's something I want to focus on a little bit today because you're a seasoned communicator. But tell me just some basic facts about your electric cooperative and then your career here. Yeah, so I served at two different distribution electric co-ops, one out of Alabama, and I kind of call it, it was a smaller co-op. We had 16,000 members. And there was one person that did communications, and that was me. And so now I have moved into the management role side of things, and I've moved up to Coweta Fayette EMC, where we have 90,000 members, and I have a team of three that work with me. I've been able to see it as a small shop kind of situation, and then there with more of a team situation. And it really has evolved over the years as I have been in the communication world for electric co-ops. And it is fabulous to be here with the new communicators because it's always exciting to see the people that are coming into this industry. And it's always refreshing to hear the ideas that they have and their perspectives on things. And that's probably the thing that keeps me energized the most is that, you know, our profession is always changing, always evolving. That's something that we should embrace and and really wrap our hands around. You're completely right. Being a communicator myself, every year, sometimes I'm doing something different. You're learning something different, whether it's a new program, uh, you're communicating in a different channel, method. It's not the same thing from year to year. You're constantly shifting, adapting communication styles, channels, and it's kind of an interesting world out there sometimes. (laughs) I shared with the group earlier that when I started in the co-op world, we literally had to turn one of our closets into a dark room. And so we processed our own film. You know, we went out and shot on large black and white film because <laughs> it was too expensive to use color in the printing that we were doing and that kind of thing. And now, literally, I walk around with a video camera in my pocket because I've got my phone with me wherever I go. And just the speed at things happen now. You know, you had to wait on a printer. You had to send things off. You had to wait for a proof to come back. And then you had to wait for printing and then sometimes mailing. And now we're communicating within moments when something is happening with our members. So the speed that information is able to go out to our members has changed dramatically. And I think that that really impacts the way that we get our message out there. Yeah, and I completely agree that turnaround time is key, especially when you're working with the kind of content information you are. People want to know immediately what is going on, what's affecting my household, my electricity. What's the information out there, right? Let me ask you, you are a career and development coach, correct? I want to know a little bit about that. And tell me, how do you blend that work experience with your electric cooperative work experience? And what are you kind of seeing in terms of hiring challenges for communicators? I think the challenge right now is we really do have a multi-generational workplace. 
as a communicator especially, that can be challenging because every generation has their preferred way of receiving information, of processing that information. And so it's almost like, okay, how many different forms of the same message do I need to put out there to be able to effectively reach the audience that I want to to reach? Part of being that career coaching and doing that I do on the side, I'm able to bring that in the office because Chris Stevens, our CEO, allowed me several years ago to create a program that I call Vision EMC. And I get to spend a year with 15 of our employees. They spend one day a month with me, and we do industry and professional development, leadership training, different things like that, just so that we can expose them to all the different things that's happening, whether it's renewables, whether it's interacting with our legislative group, because grassroots still plays such an important role in the co-op world. And the legislation that is going to be coming out there now is very impactful, not only to our industry, but also our members. That's been a really fun way for me to merge both of my passions is like being able to invest in people's career development. And then also the communication side of me, because to me, the biggest thing that a communicator can do is always be learning. Our industry is one that changes so much. You know, we were talking about it not too long ago. With I, I was at another meeting with a group of communicators, and, and some of us have been around for quite a while now. And I remember back when deregulation was the thing, and then we had Y2K, and every system was going to crash, and we weren't going to be able to do anything in the office on, on New Year's Day, you know. And, and then, of course, you've had all the storms that come through, and then you've had some different legislative efforts, and now we're the big push with renewables and carbon-free emissions. And, and what's the EV doing and battery storage and microgrids and nuclear. You just name all these things that keep coming out there. The speed at which things are changing now is even that much more faster than they were when I came in the industry. So I think one of the best things that we can do as communicators is to be a little bit knowledgeable about a lot of things. It really behooves you to pay attention, read the stuff that comes out from CFC, comes out from our national organizations and stuff like that, because it's going to give you a much broader perspective on what is taking place in the world. And you as a communicator can better prepare for the messaging that you're going to need to do down the road. I think that's a great tip, not only for communicators, but anybody in the cooperative professional. It's education. I mean, I hear that from, I think, every person that I sit and talk to. It's How much information can you consume and educate yourself on different aspects of the industry that we're in? Because that makes you not only better at your current profession, but just have a general understanding of how to serve the members better. So I think that's a fascinating point that you bring up. I do want to ask you if you see any other kind of opportunities that exist at your co-op or anything that you're excited to be working on. It sounds like you have a neat program that you're working on. Anything else in the works? I think that's what's fun about my job. Something new seems to come up all the time. The vision program is probably one of my favorite things that I've done in my entire career. When we can build others up, we're not only just strengthening them, but we're strengthening ourselves too, because I learn so much from the interactions that I have with those people too. I learn more about their day-to-day jobs, which in turn makes me effectively that much better as a communicator because I can tell it from their point of view. The thing that I would say, you know, is not to be afraid to ask the question, did I know anything about nuclear when I came in? No, but it's a big deal in Georgia right now because Vogel 3 and 4 are fixing to come on. Did I know about EV and EV technology and battery storage and and microgrids and and how cryptocurrency might impact the electric world? No. The thing is, is, is like, even if you don't know it, don't be afraid of it. Just get out there, learn it. Don't be afraid to ask the question. Don't be afraid to get out of your own little 
your little pocket. And one of the things that I love to do, I love to network within our own walls. Go spend some time in the accounting department. Go spend some time in operations and staking. Go spend some time with the CSRs and listen to the calls that they're coming because they're going to make you that much more aware of the questions and the problems that your members are having or the information that they want, which allows you to better respond to those. And, you know, as far as programs that we have going on right now, you know, renewables are big for us right now. We have our own um, solar generation plant. You know, members can buy into our community solar project. We've got a big EV program where you can drive free for a year um, as part of the incentive to get people interested in that technology. We're partnering with so many different organizations to bring more economic development into the area right now. And we have a great program that we're doing with teachers. We call it our Alternative Energy Summer Teacher Tour. We get all those words right. (laughs) And so we bring in a group of teachers every summer, and we spend three days with them, and they learn all about renewables. They're mainly our STEM teachers, STEAM or STEM, depending on which the school is. And we're showing them how they can incorporate these technologies into their classrooms, how they can build them into their lesson plans. And so what that's doing is helping us get this next generation of kids interested in careers that are going to revolve and be very important into that electric industry. And it's also setting us up to be that go-to industry expert for our educational organizations inside our community. If they need information on this or they need a, you know, they need a project or they need somebody to speak on this or they need, you know, a tour of something, they're calling us first now because we've set ourselves up as the resource for them to be able to get that information. Going back to your point, there are certain topics that are very intimidating. I am a communicator. I'm not an expert on EVs. I'm not an expert on microgrids. But there is a lot of research that goes into it when you reach out to somebody. And so I I think those are excellent words of advice and something that even from a personal perspective, sitting, diving into a podcast and sitting in with some of my colleagues, learning about what they do in their position and their role and making those connections within my own organization are very important because that also allows me to reach out to them then and say, hey, I need information on this. And they can pass along what they know, but I feel I have a better connection with them. I wanted to ask you a little bit about organizational culture, how you feel a communicator can use that, because I also feel that bleeds over somewhat into how you work with your members as well, right? So what's the organizational culture like at your cooperative, and how do you kind of use that to your benefit? So I think the biggest piece of that is, you know, I tell people, like, if, if you want to become the go-to person, if you want to be the, you know, the person that can get the information that you need, you really need to focus on building that trust among other people. And, you know, I think the co-op world sets us up really well to do that. And it kind of goes back to a comment that I made earlier on networking within your own walls. When you really can spend some time getting to know the people that are doing the job day to day, and get them comfortable with you showing up at their desk, asking questions, and then they see what you put out from that work, and they know, oh, they didn't make me look like an idiot, or they, you know, like, oh, you know, like, they they showed me a very unflattering way, or, oh, they took this information and they got it right. You know, I think that adds credibility to you as that communicator. I think also what it does is then it frees them up to feel that they can come to you when they have information that they want to get out to other places inside that organization. 
that's the perfect storm is like when you've you've built that relationship and you've kind of nurtured it over the years and then they start feeding you information and stories that you can use. We were talking with the new communicators and a lot of them were like, internal comms, internal comms. It's just driving me crazy <laughs> because nobody will talk to me. Nobody wants their picture made. Nobody wants this. And it does take time for someone to to build up that comfort level with you as a communicator it doesn't happen overnight. That's the good and the bad inside the co-op world is that we have so much longevity inside the walls at a co-op. You've got people that have been there six months and you've got people that have been there 40, 50 years. Yes. And all of what they bring to the table every day, their experience that they had with the person before you and the person before that, a bad encounter with a member, something they got put out wrong or they didn't like the picture, all of that adds up over the years. And so when you're in the position that we're in, the thing that you can do the most that I think that'll make you the most beneficial and you can kind of tap into that culture that's inside that organization is really building that trust. Just show them that, hey, I've got your best interest at heart. I, you know, I really want to do a great story on XYZ project. You know, I want to focus on what your team is doing for our members. And year after year, when you consistently put that out and you put that work into it, they're going to start responding to it. And it's going to get easier and easier to get that information that you want. You know, one of the things that I really advise, you know, new co-op people with is go out with your crews, but don't go with your camera the first time because everybody's so afraid that you're going to take a picture and somebody's going to see them doing something that is a safety violation or they don't have the right equipment on or they don't do this, that you have to build that comfort level with you and be like, hey, before I publish anything, I'll let you look at it. We'll make sure, like, I want you to be in the best light possible also. You know, my job is not to sit there and make anyone look bad at the co-op. My job is to put the co-op in the best frame that I can possibly put that out there, whether that's internally for our own employees, because I want them to be satisfied with their work. I want them to enjoy coming to work. I want them to feel proud of what they're doing every day too, but also externally to our members and to other community leaders that we need to interact with to get jobs done on a daily basis. The co-op culture is also one that I think we have a great network out there. If you're struggling with something or you need ideas for something or that you have programs that you're wanting to launch, reach out to other people at other co-ops. I've been in the co-op world now almost 26 years. I don't think I've ever made a phone call to a, another communicator or another a person at a co-op and said, hey, can you talk me through what you did on XYZ Project? We're fixing to get ready to do that. I, I want to know more about it. What, what roadblocks did you run into? Were there any hiccups along the way I need to worry about? Everybody is so free with that information. Nobody shares anything they're not supposed to share, but they'll talk you through the basics. They'll let yep. you know, you know, like what roadblocks you might run into. And that, you know, puts you so much farther ahead in the process of being able to get it out at your own co-op, it's a shame that more people don't take it more advantage of that opportunity that's out there. Yeah, I think those are great words of advice too. I think trying to remove some of that fear, I think the worry is you're going to reach out to somebody and say the wrong thing, not hear back from them, but the fear of not trying probably outweighs the benefits that you would see from that. So one other area I wanted to discuss uh, was member engagement. That's something that we focus a lot on here at CFC. Also, our digital strategy and how we bring digital into kind of the world of our members. And I imagine you're definitely doing the same. What does member engagement and digital strategy look like at your co-op? And how do you also 
sell that to your executives, your your leadership, because sometimes there's not a tangible number that you put on that, what we do, right? Communications, you can't say, we've done this campaign and it's brought us in X amount of dollars. It just doesn't necessarily work like that within the organizational structure that we have. So I'm kind of curious uh, how you, you tackle some of those topics. Yeah, so you know, I think the first challenge that you run into is actually getting people comfortable with the platforms. There's so many different perceptions of social media out there now, and but that's also where we're getting the quickest turnaround with our message for our members now. So you have to be able to play in that playground. Part of our job as a communicator is really being able to tout the advantage of the different platforms and, and make sure that our boards and our management are aware that there are really great uses for the platforms and they can really help us target certain member segments because each of the platforms out there really do resonate with a different class of member, or especially age group generational rise is what I mean by that. When we have that good understanding of that, we're able to pitch that in a way that I think makes it more effective in the fact that you can see that there's some research and data behind it. I think as a communicator, when you can add that research and you can add that data to it, and it's not like I'm going in there with, oh, we need to be on Instagram. Okay, well, that's great. Why do we need to be on Instagram? Well, if you can come back and say, well, it's a platform for people that are 35 to 55, and this many of our members fall in that age group, then you can come in and really build a strong case for it. Same thing goes with the digital marketing and advertising. To really become effective in that role now is you have to put some dollars behind that. And it's really hard to say that, you know, I spent $70 on a Facebook ad because, you know, like you think about ad spends in the Atlanta market that I'm in with like TV stations and stuff, you're talking astronomical dollars, but I can get a lot of bang for a buck for a $70 ad spend on a Facebook ad because what I can really do is really target that down to a zip code or I can target it to people that are interested in these key things. So like our EV program, I can target it to people that have, are interested in EV and they follow EV pages or they're, they're interested in green technologies and that kind of thing so that I can really make sure that my dollar is being used really effectively. The thing that I can't always justify with that ad spend is how many people actually came from that Facebook post and actually bought an EV that turned around and put it on our system and plugged it in. But, you know, you you have to kind of look at communications as an overarching kind of pool now. The return on investment is not always like I spent X dollars and I got three times that back in the revenue. Sometimes you have to look at it as let's look at the number of likes on this post so that we know that, hey, our members or people that are following us are actually engaging with this post. That means it's a topic that they care about and that it's information that they're open to receiving. And so that can help you further down the road target like, okay, these are programs that we really need to investigate and put out there in front of our organization. One of the things we're looking at doing right now is more streaming ads. So like getting on YouTube and actually running video content. Yeah, I know everybody hates it when you're trying to watch something <laughs> that, oh, the ad popped up. Now I have to wait 8, 10, 15 seconds so I can finish watching my show. You know, so we're going to be those people. But being able to be a little bit experimental you know, is a great thing too. And that's not always an easy sell with boards and management. You know, sometimes they want to, I don't trust it. I don't know what's going to happen. So I don't know that I want to give you this money to do this kind of thing. On that side of the table is 
I would really encourage, you know, boards and managers to really have some faith and trust in in your communicators and even other departments when they come to you with some new ideas. They're backing it up and they're giving you some solid background and some solid research. Take the chance. You know, I love my CEO. One of the things he told me when he hired me, and I keep bringing new programs to him and new ideas, is like, what's the worst can happen? It It doesn't work. But we would never know if it worked or not if we didn't try it. If more people had that same kind of attitude, I look at all the programs and all the opportunities that are out there that we could be doing right now instead of someone, oh, I got, you know, I, I just want to wait and see. I don't trust this. I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Sometimes you have to take that little step and go, okay, we'll try it. What's the worst that can happen? Maybe you do lose a little bit of money or, you know, maybe you find out that what you thought you as, you know, an organization that this is the direction that we needed to go is not the same direction that your members might have been interested in, or maybe it's not the right timing for it right now. It can happen, but it can also set you up for so much success down the road when you go, hey, I've started seeing this trend that we're following and following our surveys and we're putting it out on social now and we're getting all kinds of traction on these messages and this messaging. And it really does give you some feedback and some actual strong data that you can use to really drive that engagement You're where right. you want it to go. And that the data analytics piece of what we do is can be so critical to getting some insight into the interest level and the engagement behind where your members are focused and where they're headed, right? Uh, The direction that they want to go, because really, we're kind of following them. We're just trying to stay ahead of the curve um, instead of behind it. My last question for you here, I always ask top three tips for cooperative leaders here. And I wanted to see what your top three would be to help develop the next generation of communication professionals. And I think the first one was go ahead and trust your communication professionals, right? That was probably my my go-to is that some of the new communicators that we engage with, you know, they talk about they're coming in, they have a lot of these ideas, and they kind of get shut down over and over and over again. That, to me, is like, oh, I don't want to see you get discouraged, but I know it's hard sometimes to try and, and, and stay at that. If you can at least be open to listening to the idea and maybe have the approach of, if not now, Let's do some more research and bring it back to me again. Maybe not squish it right out of the, you know, like, and give them some positive encouragement. Like, you know, I don't think this is right for us right now, but I like how you're thinking and I like the direction that you're going. And please bring me back another idea. And, you know, encourage that in a way that allows them to build the confidence in their job and then also shows that you're open to some new ideas. You know, it's funny to me how many co-ops today still are a little hesitant of embracing some of the technology that's out there. You know, I think that's something that's that's changing and evolving. When your communicators or even, you know, even other departments want to experiment with new software, new technology, let them try it. You know, even if it's a small test pool to try and see how it's going to work. Even internal communications, one of the things that we did at Coweta Fayette is we have an internal platform that looks a lot like a Facebook feed. You know, it was kind of an interesting sell with our IT department and everything to begin with. 
because they're like, oh, we can't be cloud-based. It's, you know, people can get into it. I don't want to put it on their phones. I don't, you know, like, let's keep it locked down. And I'm like, the whole idea is to create engagement. And if it's locked down and it's hard for people to access, you're defeating the purpose right off to begin with to, like, I, I feel you on this because you know we do run into some okay. of the same. So the same. <laughs> you know, so so know that sometimes there has to be a little bit of. It's not an all or nothing process. Sometimes is that just because this works for this doesn't mean it's always going to work for everything down the road. So I think being open to investigating possibilities is is a big key to being successful not only in communications but in any other area and aspect as well. The other thing is, is always look for educational opportunities. Just because someone's a communicator, it doesn't mean that you always send them to a writing class or a design class. Send them to some rate classes. Send them to some renewable programs. Send them to whatever. Because the thing with communications to me is that, you know, we're one of those departments that you have to know a little bit about everything inside the organization. We talk finance. We talk infrastructure. We talk energy mix, we talk youth programs, we talk education, we talk economic development. If we're not exposed to those things and if we're not brought into the conversations, we can't effectively tell that story for for our co-ops. Sometimes I think communications gets put on the side, like let's get it all figured out, let's do everything we need to do, and then, oh, by the way, you need to go tell that story. Well, it's hard for me to tell the story if I don't have the background and I don't have the knowledge to go with it. So if you'll bring your communicator in sooner rather than later, go ahead and expose them to the conversation, to the pros, the cons. Here's why we're doing it. Let them get the background. They're not going to put it out until you're ready for them to put it out there. Let them grow with the process. Let them learn and engage with it. And then you're going to find that I think you're going to have a better communicator you're going to have better stories that your members relate to. And then you're growing that next generation of worker who's going to be able to add so much more value and so much more input at the cooperative itself. I think those are all great tips. Uh, it's very enlightening. And I completely agree with all of them, even from my own personal experiences. I would take some of those and definitely myself. I think they're, they're just great ones to live by. So I really appreciate you being able to take a break from your day today and come and sit and chat with me. And I thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Solutions Cast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming platform and check www.nrucfc.coop solutions for more electric cooperative news.